0: You're listening to Make Your Way, season 6, episode 2. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post links to resources mentioned in the episode, along with a full transcript. You can find these materials at drkatylinder.com/myw. Hey Sarah, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Katie? I am really good. I am super excited because we are going to have a conversation today with um, a really fun colleague, Andrea Gregg, who's going to share with us a little bit about getting started with her business. Hello, Andrea. Hi. Welcome to Make Your
1: Way. Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So um, what we thought we would do is first start out with a little bit of information about you, Andrea. So tell our audience a little bit about who you are and kind of what your business area is.
1: Okay, so I've worked in the field of online learning and started in instructional design for about 15 years now. And over the years I've had rare uh but but sometimes consulting jobs where I've done things like worked with uh organization that did stand-up trainings and wanted to also create online modules. I've worked done more um, Speaking to groups who were going to be transitioning a portfolio from face to face to online to kind of talk about the whole process, um, but it hasn't been. It's been just kind of word of mouth, and um, or at my job, someone might say, "Oh, you know, this is available if anyone wants to kind of bid on it or whatever." So, I would say in general, my business area is um, broadly speaking, education specifically. Uh, probably focused on online and hybrid, but I think the core is is teaching and learning.
0: Okay. So as our listeners know, Sarah and I mentioned in the first episode of this season, so if you haven't listened, go back listeners, um, that all of our guests this season are coming from a mastermind that I was kind of secretly running over the last year called Slow Hustle, which was to help people think about their businesses and kind of expanding their businesses. And I'm really curious, Andrea, what led you kind of now in the state of your career, in the state of your professional life, to think that Slow Hustle could be a Potentially a good place for you to be to kind of think about your business and how to develop it
1: So I think your description of it in the email um, and some conversations we had early on I know I've sort of had on my to-do agenda for probably 10 years to put up a web web portfolio got a domain name all of that and I flirted with the idea of an LLC and um, you know for a number of years, so I think your information about it coincided well with kind of realizing I might need sort of an external group to kind of help move things along. Um, I think our conversations early were really helpful as well because I know I specifically said, I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm at a beginning phase. I'm at a pre-beginning phase. So I may just be sort of listening and absorbing throughout the year and you said that was totally fine. So I really liked that it was um, kind of at each individual's own pace rather than by the end of this year, you will have launched a business. you kind of let from the beginning, it was sort of each individual setting their own personal goal.
0: Sarah, I'm wondering how that resonates with you, this idea of a slow hustle. Like when you think about your business, how long do you think it took you to kind of really get it up and running to a place where it was like okay so this is a business this is a thing?
2: Uh, a long time. <laughs> I mean it it was something I was working on in the background for years. Um, you know I think I, the the seeds of the idea really started in graduate school um, kind of knowing that I didn't want to do the traditional jobs that academics tended to do and so you know, the seeds of this idea of like, what could I do with this that's different or that's outside of some of the main, you know, constraints of academia was started early. And then it was a lot of doing what you're, the kinds of things you're talking about, Andrea, the, the you know, consulting gig here, or the speaking thing over here, and just trying things out to see what feels good and, and what, um, you know, what you enjoy doing. Um, So Andrea, I'm really curious, you know, what's been sort of the most surprising part about this exploring starting, um, starting your own business? And and what are the things that are sort of most energizing about that?
1: Yeah, so I would say that's kind of the biggest uh, learning I've had, which was, I kind of came into it thinking, okay, I need to you know, set the LLC, figure out taxes, et cetera. What I didn't realize um, was the amount of sort of internal uh, drive for a particular uh, packaging that I would need to have. So, I mean, like many of us, I've worked since I was like 14, you know, dairy queen first job. And um, I've not had to kind of, Beyond applying for jobs, really think about if I were to run a business what would i what would it be? Because what I most like is sort of helping people get something done that I have a skill set in that area so i um, and even in my consulting, it hasn't been me sort of packaging something and then finding clients it's been oh so and so you know is working with someone and they need someone with a skill area that I think you have, do you want to talk to them? And then I, I like to kind of problem solve within their framework. So figuring out how to describe that and kind of package that was really difficult. Um, and I would say that's why I'm still on the slower end of the slow hustle, because what I realized was, and I, I did some work trying to kind of come up with what might my uh, business platform look like? What products might I offer? Um, but what I've kind of come to is right now, I want to just do more consulting and see what needs are out there and then sort of target it to that. Um, so I'd say that's been the biggest surprise is um, just the internal, I guess, passion. I've come to realize that I need for a specific thing where that's really just not how I've worked most of my life. It's been, you know, we need this, you have the skills, you know, can you do it?
2: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, um, I'm, I'm nodding a lot over here for the listeners who can't see me nodding, um, as you're talking Andrea, because I think there's a lot of similarity, uh, in some of the the struggles that I had early on, especially, um, in thinking about, how do I package this thing? Like I'm selling myself and my brain and my ability to think through problems and help you with a thing. Like, how do I talk about that? So I think that's definitely a a challenge, especially in the consulting world um, and figuring out, like you said, how to package that. Um, But I'm, I'm also curious, like, what's the most fun part of thinking about this so Katie and I will often talk about like going where the energy is and I'm a big like ooh shiny thing that looks cool let's go that direction kind of person and I'm curious like what are those kind of shiny things that are are exciting to you about um, doing this kind of work
1: so that's a really good question I would say of all the kind of lessons in slow hustle or the the topics that we've done each month the one that i most got excited about was the values. And um, I think because I'm the kind of person who I'd like to kind of build everything on underlying values. So um, I think the other thing is, I don't know if you would call this shiny thing, but what's given me energy is seeing the other people in the group make progress in very specific, but different ways. So kind of that uh, zone of proximal development in terms of seeing someone who's, um, you know, now doing things that maybe in a couple of years I'll be doing and kind of now having that model in my mind. Um, the other thing that's been the most, I guess, I don't know if fun is the right word, but relieving is that, um, and I knew it wasn't going to be like this because I've known Katie for years and know this isn't how she operates. But I'm pretty turned off by um, any kind of quick pitch to make money or, you know, ramp up and, you know, quit your day job or whatever. So what's been really uh, confirming in that regard is sort of the emphasis throughout the whole mastermind on kind of doing things with ethics and uh, being about your, um, what you can offer. I mean it's month seven. And just today, we talked about money, where I think a lot of these, you would talk about money in you know, week one, and that's been really aligned with sort of how I operate. So knowing that you can kind of go with your own approach and still be really successful, like Katie has been, I think is, is very reaffirming.
0: One of the things I think we've really been trying to emphasize in this mastermind is the concept of, doing it your own way, which Sarah, I know totally connects with. Um, And that this is why it's called slow hustle because it takes time to do it your own way and figure out what you want to do. And one of the things I really valued about your story, Andrea, and I think our listeners can really connect with this too, is part of doing this your own way was realizing what you didn't want to do. And you came in, I think with a particular idea and then shifted and said, Oh, that's maybe not what I thought it was. And I'm actually not wanting to go in that direction. I'm wondering if you can talk about that process for yourself and how you kind of came to understand and have the confidence to say, this is actually not maybe for me, um, to, to do business in kind of the traditional way that other people might do this. I actually want to take a little bit more time to figure this out.
1: Okay. Yeah. And actually that brings up a really good, uh, is a really good question and brings up something that, um, you know, you and I had even talked where maybe midway or week, month, three or four or something, and I said, you know, what doing this has shown me is maybe I don't want to have my own business. And, um, you know, you had said something like, well, if that, you know, if if you've kind of realized that this isn't useful for you anymore, we can talk about that. And um, I'm really glad I stayed and didn't kind of stop doing slow hustle because it's all kind of moving me forward. Um, I think my comfort right now, and it's probably just because it's what I've always done, is more word of mouth. And I want a web portfolio and domain name and all of that just as a place to put stuff, like to put publications, to put presentations, to um, kind of describe skill sets. And as I do more consulting, to kind of learn the language that people are using so that I can package kind of what I do in a way that is more translatable. Um, So I think it goes exactly to what you guys were saying in terms of energy. So when I would sit down to do the values, it was very energizing. When I, um, I recently got a new job and when I was prepping for the job, I literally went back through the past 15 years of annual reviews, because in each annual review, you kind of painstakingly write up what you did that year. So I was able with that to then sort of bucket the different things I've done. And that was another step forward in terms of how these things might ultimately be packaged. So I think when I, where my energy was going was less on, um, at this point, generating newsletter or content or hooks or podcasts not that all those things might eventually come but it was more on I just want to see what needs are out there that align with my interest and skill sets and and then figure out how to package from there rather than package first so I guess I just kind of realized I needed to flip it and a lot of it's just energy wise you know having a full-time job and. um where, where I could put that extra energy. So, I mean, and I did say out loud two months ago or whatever, I think you and I had talked, Katie, I need to not feel like I have to have everything in place. And really, I just want to do some more consulting. And I think I'm probably going to be starting something consulting wise, which is exactly what I was saying I wanted. So, and even doing that has caused me to learn some new terms that might be More recognizable across the industry, which then helps with the packaging. So I guess it was just kind of flipping the cart horse kind of thing.
2: So I guess I'm a little bit curious, uh, you know, hearing you talk about um, some of the challenges of of getting a lay of the land a little bit and, and flipping your understanding of how do I approach this in a way that works best for me. What are some of the the things that make you kind of anxious or a little bit wary about getting into this, you know, into this consulting world? Like what? I don't don't want to say like, what are your biggest fears, but like, what are the things that, that kind of give you pause and and think like, well, I'm not super comfortable in that area or I'm not sure how I'd approach this over here, whether it's in consulting or, or in this sort of broader business sense.
1: So well, I have kind of two, two different answers. One is, um, as I've grown in my career, I've gotten further and further away from the day to day technology production. So I don't make videos. I mean, I don't make videos, educational videos. I could do, you know, a Camtasia or something, but, um, it's not going to be fancy. And I, I could still do HTML and CSS, but I haven't done it in a while. Um, so as I've grown in my career, I've done less and less of that hands-on stuff. And when I think about, Launching a business in if I were to specifically focus on instructional design, which when I've talked to different people and kind of gotten feedback on my ideas, what gets me excited is less, um, I have less actual kind of concrete experience in that area. So people have said instructional design, which is awesome. I love instructional design. But usually if you're an instructional designer working as a single person, you're doing all that stuff. And that's just not, um, it's not that I couldn't enjoy it, but when I'm doing, uh, so I think that's one thing. And, and actually in this recent call, I had to say, you know, I think we're talking about two different buckets and one is more curriculum strategy and planning, which I can absolutely do. I can iterate with you. We can talk about, um, kind of, what you're trying to accomplish, when they need to be in face-to-face, when they need to be online, how you want to do communications, and just always going back to learning goals and laying out a plan and all of that. And I said, but the second bucket is more the production side of these materials. And if it's something relatively straightforward, then absolutely I can do that. But you're going to be able to find someone better if you want a really high-quality video. So I guess it's kind of being confident enough to say that and um i would say that's that's the one thing that ha- originally when i was getting feedback was making me a little nervous like i don't want to spend 10 hours a day relearning you know html or this or that to produce things i would much rather talk at a strategic level about what you're trying to do what your learning goals are what kind of activities you could do um so that would be one thing and then the second thing would be and i mentioned this to Katie at one point just my fear that it's all saturated that do i really have something unique to offer um is there if i put myself out there and i'm a business of one am i really going to be able to uh compete with people who you know have a lot more people involved or in depth experience or whatever which is another reason this kind of word of mouth thing works really well, because it's not me sort of selling myself in the great wilderness. It's someone saying, I've worked with this person for 10 years, she can definitely do XYZ. And then they trust that person, it goes that way. So that kind of alleviates some of the sense of I'm going to have to like, really market myself and all of that. So I would say those two things. One is that and I have a technology background from many years ago, I started my career, my first quote unquote real job as a programmer. And I, like I said, I've done HTML and I've done more of that, but I just don't do it every day. I don't do it every month, you know? So if that's what people are looking for, I'm just not going to, that's probably not where it's going to be. So I guess part of it is the confidence to know that the skills I offer are a higher level and more strategic at this point.
0: So Andrea, one of the things that Really kind of draws me to you as a person in general is that you are not like hugely on social media. You are not, you know, wanting to be kind of out there in kind of the traditional ways with businesses. And this was something we've talked about from the very beginning of like, what does it mean to market yourself when you're not on Twitter, when you're not kind of doing these more traditional channels? And you mentioned in your last response, this idea of talking with other people, vetting ideas and this word of mouth. I'm wondering if you can talk about how you have used your network, maybe broadly defined to engage in starting to explore ideas around business. Like, Who have you asked to help you vet ideas and how, how has that process worked for you to try to figure out you know, what your pathway is as you're figuring out this
1: business consulting stuff that you're working with? So, um, I guess two responses, one with the social media, definitely. I, um, if I get to the point where I have sort of a separate business identity and do have things that I'm more concretely marketing or promoting or offering services, products, et cetera, then I would be, um, you know, comfortable and happy to kind of be on Twitter and all of that. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and I do still follow Twitter feeds related to my profession. So it's more just the putting myself out there personally that didn't totally align with my personality in terms of, um, kind of how I'm vetting. I mean, what I've done, and it's not been a lot, um, because it's hard. It's kind of, I, I relate it to when you're first doing dissertation and you, you have your idea and everyone you talk to kind of tells you the thousand and one ways it's not going to work. Right. It's too broad. It's too narrow. Did you think about this? And then by the end, when you actually do your dissertation, you realize it was pretty close to your first idea. Like part of the process is just getting beaten up a little bit. So I talked to a couple people, um, Uh, dean at a university who was involved in online education in her university and was a colleague from before another colleague and I just sort of showed the um, kind of ideas I had and I I think in slides so it was basically just a Google slides of kind of a potential business name services so it was basically a mock-up of what a website would be and what we offer etc and I got sort of the same feeling of when i actually these same two people i talked about dissertation you know a long time ago of people kind of hone in right away on what's missing and you kind of have to like um you know separate separate from that and then say okay now i can see what they were saying you know they're not saying don't do it they're saying you really need to think x y or z but that's what was sort of draining my energy was this idea that I have to have this whole thing packaged that people are going to see it and think it makes sense. And, um, that's again, why this word of mouth thing is better because, uh, for me right now, I mean, eventually I do need to do that. And all that feedback was good. It's not gone anywhere. Um, like I didn't, you know, delete it from my memory or anything. It's more, um, well, you know, that's a a good question, Katie. I think I would just keep talking to you and the people in Slow Hustle and my colleagues who know other people. And I have a colleague and friend who has her own consulting business. And, you know, she runs into things where it's out of her skill set, but it's in mine. So I think it's going to be the same thing I've been doing um, and and sort of see where that goes. Like, I definitely am intentionally on the slow, slow side of this.
2: It's it's interesting in in hearing you talk about this, um, you know, I I certainly resonate with the idea of like, don't let the, you know, the perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Like you want to get something out there and, and, you know, but there is this pressure to get that whole package put together and like make yourself the most presentable you've ever been. Right. And all of that in order for, in order to feel the most confident, but yet, really where the confidence comes from as you're talking is is from talking to your colleagues and friends and trying out different jobs and doing things word of mouth and like, you know, getting your feet wet over here and learning, oh yeah, no, I can actually, that's another thing I can do, or this other thing, well, maybe not so much over there. Um, And so I'm, I'm hearing you talking a little bit about crafting even your own understanding of your um, consulting business as you go. And I think that that's, that's such a great point, because that's really how a lot of this is done. Katie, I, I'm assuming you would agree with me here that, uh, you know, you and I didn't come out of the gate, you know, knowing exactly, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. And this is how we're going to land it. And this is what it's going to look like, but that it, our businesses have been iterative in nature. And so, you know, I've definitely personally been in that place where I'm like, ha! <laughs> okay, now what am I doing? I don't know. But you're right. There is that pressure to, to really have it all figured out.
0: I think this is one of my favorite things about the podcast is that people can listen from the very beginning. And we're like in totally different places <laughs> when we first started out. And now, and like, I didn't have a coaching certification. I wasn't doing coach training. I wasn't, I mean, there's a lot of changes that have happened for both of our businesses. Sarah, you're going through a pivot right now. And it is so much about figuring it out as you go. And I feel like that's such a big lesson is that you don't stay static. And as Andrea was talking, I was thinking about a business owner I know who does a lot of consulting around kind of building courses and and building trainings and things like that. And she recently started doing a deep dive into a particular product that she just loves. And so she's been giving webinars on it. It's not super tied to her business. She's just like loving it. And now the company has reached out to her and they're like, clearly you're a super fan and we want you to do X, Y, Z. And she was like, wait, what? Like, and it just kind of totally came out of nowhere, very genuine. And it's like so aligned with what she wants to do. And you just don't ever know. I mean, it's like you follow the energy, like Sarah always preaches. And then stuff comes because people are like, oh, it's that magnetic quality that they get kind of pulled into you. And they want to give you, you know, certain jobs or opportunities because they know how incredible it can be. But I I do feel like it's such an opportunity to learn about yourself and what your capacity is. And that's also what I hear you talking about, Andrea. I'm wondering if you can share with us, you know, what have you learned about yourself through this process of exploring starting a business or exploring expanding out your consultancy?
1: I don't know if this is... Learn something I've learned about myself I think it's something I've learned about where I am right now I think this will probably evolve but the idea of putting together a web portfolio that sort of highlights who I am as a professional kind of the areas I've worked publications presentations um seems like a very logical next step and something like I said, I've been thinking about for 10 years and something I would feel good about and kind of enjoy being able to add to it. And, um, but the idea of creating a website for a company and even if it was just me, but having something like in, in our business, we provide or we offer. That's where I started to realize I don't know if I'm just not there yet, or it's a passion issue, or just not having kind of been out there enough to kind of know. I mean, it's a luxury and you get kind of siloed in when you have a job at an institution. You learn a ton about that institution, what needs are, what different jobs exist, what your colleagues do. But to look at the field sort of as everything else is, um, It's uh, much broader and the the idea of kind of marketing a business within that much broader field, it just wasn't, the energy wasn't there. So um, I guess that's sort of what I learned. I mean, I remember saying I'd be comfortable attaching to someone else's business um, and I'm comfortable doing sort of individual consulting when it's, we need the skill set or this is what we're dealing with. How would you help us? that's very appealing and seems very logical. Um, but trying to come up with a company name and it just started to feel almost existential. Like I had to have this life purpose be aligned with the company. And I just don't think, Hey, it's not true, but B um, I just don't. I mean, I would say what I like doing is using my, skills, education, and experiences to help people solve problems, which I know is super generic and isn't enough of a description of service. But, you know, and I mentioned this in Slow Hustle, I was in Florida in February and my friend was like lying out in the sun and I was under shade and, you know, sitting on a bench next to this man. And we just started chatting um, about what we each do. And When he heard the word online, he immediately started asking me how he should use social media to get more um, customers to stay at his hotel. And I said, well, I mean, I don't know anything about your industry, but is that how people... I said, I've never signed up for a hotel based on social media, Um, but maybe that is how people get hotels. I said... "Um, So we talked probably an hour and I feel like I gave him like an hour of consulting. Uh, And by the end of the conversation, I had found firms for him that do sort of a three hundred and sixty internal consulting of hotel to kind of grow from where you are to where you want to be. And they look at everything, personnel, you know, uh, marketing, all of that. So that's where my skills are. That's where my excitement is. I don't know how to market that, you know, like I can sit next to you. And if you have a challenge, I can kind of logically try to talk through and understand what your real issue is and all of that. So that's sort of where I realized I don't yet kind of know how to do that in a way that isn't so generic that it's not really going to appeal to anyone. So yeah, I would say that's sort of where I am right now.
2: It's it's funny to me that you mentioned this because um, literally yesterday I was putting together a little like half sheet flyer about my services and things that I was taking to an event. And like, I spent hours on this thing and I for the life of me could not come up with a way that didn't sound either really stupid or not like me at all to like describe what I do and why it would be good to hire me. And like, I'm just, my brain does not work that way. So I totally hear that struggle. It's like, okay, can we sit down and have a conversation? Because I guarantee you by the end of the conversation, you'll understand the kinds of things that I can offer you. So I totally hear you. Um, so I, Andrea, you've been kind of talking a little bit about some of the things that are, you know, either the things you're not super comfortable with or you're just like, oh, not sure how to, how to do that particular thing. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I think everybody who kind of dabbles in business or kind of gets into the business world has a few of those things that they just hate doing. Like being an independent business person is hard because you have to do everything. And so there are always those things that fall to the bottom of the list. For me, it is a hundred percent social media scheduling. Um, that just almost never happens. Katie and I talked about this last season <laughs> about how I uh, need to just hire out for that. But I'm wondering if you're starting through throughout this process of of talking with others in the slow hustle to kind of identify those things that you're like, yeah, no, I'm never going to want to have to do that.
1: Well, the current immediate thing is um, with building a web portfolio. I would like someone. I mean, I'll provide the content and talk about. Um, you know, wording and all that, but I would like someone who's visual and kind of could create the, uh, platform or the the actual website in a way that, um, I don't want to use my brain on that. Now, if I were doing it, so years ago, my sister, and she's in a totally different field now, but she started doing accounting as sort of an independent accountant. And I created her website and it was really fun. And I, um, you know, was doing all these different color things and HTML and all of that. But that's all I had to think about where now with the website, it's kind of the content and the look and feel. So it's not that I can't do it, but I'd rather my brain be focused on the content. And I think it's like, um, same thing, the slow hustle today, we were talking about finances and all of that. I'd rather just pay someone to help me set up an LLC than read all the ins and outs of it. Because that's time and mental energy that I'm either not using on my uh, day, day job, or that I'm not using on consulting or other sort of creative things. It's just tricky when you're, you know, you can do something, to hire someone else to do it because all the information's there it's online I can read I can figure it out with the the website you know I've done it before but it's been a while so it's kind of like you have to get over your ego a little bit of I could do that it's not that I can't it's just someone else can probably do it faster and better and free me up to do the content and the curriculum strategy or whatever consulting thing I might be doing. So I think it's that it's realizing sort of just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to, and, you know, put your energy into the things that, that are going to grow.
0: So I always thought that this was one of the benefits of having a full-time job and doing the side thing is that you, you had some income or you had some money that you could outsource if you wanted to, Whereas sometimes when you're just doing the business, you have to make really difficult choices of what you do yourself versus what you ask someone else to do. And I resonate so much with what you're saying, Andrea, about making choices about what you want your brain to focus on versus, you know, other things that are competing. I'm wondering if you could talk about, because you are in the situation of having a full-time job and trying to figure this out, any kind of, I don't know, challenges, constraints, or benefits even that you're thinking of as you're kind of, doing both and juggling both right now and trying to think about what having something on the side might mean to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, kind of having a full-time job and being in the education industry, broadly speaking, online learning somewhat specifically, um, it's, it just is a huge, uh, I guess I'm spoiled. So I'm, you know, at conferences or talking to people in the field and you're kind of always learning, always growing. And obviously when you work for an institution, depending on that institution, they sort of own what you produce for them, but the methods and all of that, whether you learn it through school or your job that they that's yours. And so it's kind of like you're constantly getting trained to be better at whatever services you're offering. So I would say that's a huge benefit. Um, It's also made me realize how not, I'm not a super big risk taker and having retirement and health insurance and a salary aren't things that I'm uh, at this point ready to give up. Um, flexibility is hugely important to me. So there's always that tension between um, having more flexibility, but more risk with kind of just having a business versus having um, a job and having less flexibility, but having all those other comforts. And I should also say, I love my job. So in and of itself, it is rewarding. It's not that, um, it's something i'm doing to try and like only build skills for something else i i really like it i like being that's that's another thing i realized sort of going through this process throughout the slow hustle was i like being part of a larger team and serving a larger purpose so my job i'm now you know intertwined in a lot of different things i'm i'm supporting faculty i'm you know working on working collaboratively on strategically promoting certain things um and that's really rewarding to me being part of that team and that it doesn't go away because the job ends like it's my job so everything i'm doing is part of that so that's another benefit is that i'm not working alone um so i guess i would say those things i mean the the challenge is just time but it's also true that if, for someone like me if i have too much time I'm less productive. Um, so I guess another benefit is time. Um, like I did my I worked full time when I did my PhD and it was miserable for a year or two, truly, because I I didn't have time to actually even like rest properly. But I was crazy productive. And I almost think I got through it faster than I would have if I were just going to school. Um, what I gave up was maybe a little depth and the ability to do more networking or publishing while I was going through school. So I I mean, right now what I have, I think is, is perfect for me.
2: So one of the things I think Katie and I are really hoping that this season uh, gives to our, our listeners is um, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain at various points in starting a business and, and kind of branching into that world. Um, but also, you know, some, some tips and suggestions and things to think about for people who are thinking like, Hey, maybe someday I'll want to start down this road, but I don't really, I'm not really sure yet. So I'm wondering Andrea, if you have um, some pieces of advice or suggestions or things to think about for um, other people who might be interested in starting a business someday, where do you start?
1: Well, I think that it helps to look at how you've worked previously. So I have never, and this, this is going to sound self-critical. I don't, I don't mean it self-critically, but when it comes to work, I have friends and colleagues who are visionaries in a sense, they can sort of imagine something that doesn't exist. And then they can create that, and that's not even going back to, you know, my my first job. Like, it's not like I worked at that job thinking I'm so miserable. I want to open my own Dairy Queen and run it better. I was just thinking, how can I do this better? And um, so I would say, look at how you work and like to work. If you're the type of person who's generally been comfortable with risk and kind of envisions things that don't exist and, you know, feel strongly about creating it, then, you know, go with that. If you're the type of person who's probably a little more like me, which is, um, I like to work within existing problems and solve them or make things better. So the job I have just started, I'm kind of constantly thinking about, okay, we're at A, how do we get to B? But it's within a larger structure where people have already, the decision's already been made that we want to do this. Um, So to me, a lot of it's just personality type and um, kind of how you've worked before. So like, again, when I was, I was talking to a really good friend, who's definitely a visionary um, and she'll plan these whole things that don't exist. And she describes it in such great detail. I can like see myself at this place. I don't do that, but I do think with her, how can I help her get organized? How can I build a website for her? How can I help her self promote? But I attach sort of to her vision and then bring the other skills and everything with that. The other thing that I'm generally very good at is seeing what's kind of not being attended to. So um, that's helpful. But again, how do you write that as a description? Like to solve problems when you already know what you want to accomplish. Like this guy wants to grow his hotels. I have no passion for growing hotels. But I have a passion for helping him think logically through what he's trying to do. So I think it's um, maybe just be really honest in your self-reflection about kind of where you've been successful, what what you like doing. And I don't mean don't challenge yourself. I don't mean don't push yourself. I don't mean don't sort of say I've always been like this, but I want to be like that. Um, but I just think it's important to do it within your own your own strengths.
0: Andrea, this has been so fun (laughs) to hear you chat more about your business and getting started. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with Sarah and I, we've really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you guys. This has been really clarifying for me as well. And it, it makes me realize also I'm so new to this, like it's possible in three years I could Redescribe everything I've sort of stumbled through today and have actual words that describe what I'm saying, you know more recognizable terms so it's it's just interesting to recognize when you're at a very nascent stage yourself and uh, just being kind of comfortable accepting that I am at the very beginning of something, and I know I have a lot of potential, I know there are sort of skills and all of that 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 can grow into something. But again, it's like being at that super early dissertation phase where you are sort of stumbling around in the dark. And then when you get to look back and realize what was going on, I mean, I'm aware of being at that stumbling around in the dark. So thank you for the opportunity to kind of talk through it more.
2: Well, you're stumbling very gracefully for what it's worth. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) I agree. Well, and I also want
0: to let our listeners know, we will drop a link to the show notes. If you are hearing about Slow Hustle and you're interested, you can go to drkatielinder.com backslash hustle to learn a little bit more about the program that we'll be launching again in 2020. So Andrea, always a pleasure. Sarah, of course, always a pleasure. And uh, thanks to our listeners for hanging out with us and hearing a little bit more about Andrea's business.
2: We'll talk to you next time.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at drkatylinder.com MYW. If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.